Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. And a big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible. We have a great show in store for you guys. I can't wait for you to hear from our guest today, Jordan Mendoza on the podcast. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. And we've had a, a few good conversations and I'm excited to have uh, the No Rain, No Rainbows audience listening in on this one. Before we hop into some subject matter, learn more about you, your expertise and, and everything that you're doing and working on, I'd love for folks to first get introduced to you, man. So why not let them know who you are and what, you, what it is you do? Sure, man. So yeah. Hey, first off, thank you so much for having me. Anytime I can come on and hopefully add value to an audience, I'm appreciative of that. So I appreciate it, Ted. Uh, so my name is Jordan Mendoza. I um, reside in the Atlanta area. I uh, grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I lived out there for 19 years. So big local sports fan for those teams like the Trailblazers and Seahawks were, were the uh, sports team. But uh, my wife and I uh, have five kids, right? One, two, three, four, five, right? That's, it's, it's a lot for most people, but um, man, all of them are a blessing. They're all different personalities. They range from six months to 16 years old. So um, shout out to my wife who uh, is a real MVP here. I'm here doing this and she's, you know, doing all the hard stuff, right? So, um, but yeah, so I, uh, I'm actually leaving a 15 year uh, career in property management on uh, this Friday, depending on when your listeners are going to hear this episode. Um, I'll probably already be in the new role. And so uh, the reason I'm leaving though, is uh, I've learned a lot. You know, I've learned a lot in 15 years and I feel like uh, everything has led to this point has prepared me to uh, take this this new leap. Yeah, and I, I, I love that. And also a podcast host, Blazer on Trail. Um, Absolutely. Definitely want to make sure our listeners know about that. But you mentioned how much you've learned and after 15 years um, in the career, you're ready to step away. A lot of our listeners they have the side hustle, right? And this is, I guess, the combination to the lock or or the puzzle, the last piece of the puzzle so many folks are trying to put together is how do I make my side thing my main thing? How do I convert this project that I'm working on? Um, how do I make that sustainable and then make that my livelihood so I can walk away from my nine to five? What does that look like? Man, you know, so I would love to just kind of give a little origin story. You know, I think it's important that people understand where I came from before they understand how, you know, what I do and what I'm all about, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I grew up, you know, my mom um, was actually born with one lung. And this was uh, back in 1958. And and when that happened in 1958, it was basically like, hey, listen, uh, probably won't live to be 18, you know, and definitely won't be able to have any kids. Those were kind of like the cards that she was dealt. But uh, man, she, she did a lot with that. You know, she, uh, did pretty well up through high school, didn't have to even have oxygen or anything all through high school. And, uh, shortly after, you know, had my older brother and, and then had me and, uh, ended up having five boys huh. and living to 54 years old, you know, and, and in her life, man, she, she was so powerful because you're talking about side hustles. She couldn't work. 
So she was the, high, the side hustle queen. She would go to the dog races and and bet and try to earn money to for our family. You know, we had food stamps and welfare, and she would play bingo to try to win money. You know, she would do whatever she could to try to put food on the table for us. You know, and and so I think I learned a lot of that hustle from her. But also, she just showed us love. You know, no matter what we did, she instilled that confidence in us that hey, it's all good. Just keep going. You know, keep keep mm-hmm. trying out there and. Um, so I learned a lot from her, man. A lot of, a lot of lessons that, uh, have really instilled a lot of me and how I want to live my life and the, in those values, you know, uh, were so important. And, you know, also I didn't meet my dad till I was 12, you know, and so, uh, that in itself for a lot of people could be either very detrimental or, uh, you can look through a different lens. And so, you know, meeting him, of course, there was all that weirdness. I flew by myself from Portland to DC when I was 12 years old, you know, met my dad and my stepmom and he had a new family. And, and so that was, you know, it was an interesting experience to, to meet him, but he's from the Philippines and, you know, learning about that culture and learning where he grew up, you know, with in the rice paddies and really poor and, you know, had a caribou that he would help, you know, till those rice paddies. And then, you know, just his journey, you know, eventually making it, you know, to the States, working for a landscaping company. And now he's had his business over 40 years, you know, so, so his journey is even inspiring, you know, so I took a lot of the hard work, you know, from him. And then, you know, from my mom, the kindness, the empathy, but also that hustle and and love for sports, you know, so I kind of took those things from them. and, And that's really uh, is what shaped who I am. But, you know, living with her, I mean, she, she could have died several times when I was younger, a lot of those, you know, hospital visits. And then I think about my life and I've had three very pivotal moments that we can talk about here in a minute um, where, you know, really, really I could have died in any of those events and I still don't feel like I've faced adversity yet, just knowing what my mom <laughs> went through, man. So that gives me a really powerful perspective. Yeah. And that perspective, I mean, I, I wrote down, you know, the origin of the hustle. Um, a lot of times we see this example emulated in front of us. And that's what kind of gives us that, that boost or that little, that fire under our butts to kind of, you know, go that extra mile. And it really puts us on a different trajectory through life. Um, I'd be interested in, in knowing how that trajectory helped you um, take on some of the challenges you've experienced in your life. What are some of the things that like, when it came up, because of the examples that were set ahead of you, you actually had the tools to take on that challenge. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think, you know, the first kind of pivotal moment where um, you'll hear in a second where I really shouldn't have made it if I would have been, uh, if if I wasn't allergic to bees. Right. So I'll Mm -hmm. I'll give you that little teaser there, but fourth grade picnic with a place called Pier Park in North Portland, Oregon. Uh, I don't know why we had a picnic at the end of fourth grade, but I liked it. Right. It was great. (laughs) Normally it's like you finish, Fifth grade, you get a picnic, but we had one anyways. And we were playing, there was like baseball, tetherball. You, you imagine the games and it's all over the, the park. And I was up to bat. I got up. I swung the bat. I did one of those kind of cartoon where I spin around. The bat flew away from me. It landed under a big Douglas fir tree. And Ted, when I went to grab the bat and stood up, there was a beehive on my head. Oh. So literally, I'm being stung. I'm running. Kids are running away from me. Teachers are running away. And finally, I ran over to where they had the picnic tables, and some of the teachers had big coolers there for the drinks, and they started dumping them on and just pulling the bees off me. And wow. so, man, if I was allergic to bees, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I got stung 53 times. 
Wow. I mean, so so it was it was crazy, and it's funny because I remember after that I thought I was like the bee man because I would just go grab bees and let them walk on me and they wouldn't sting me, and then a couple <laughs> weeks later I got stung by a yellow jacket and I was like, okay, I'm I'm not the bee man anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the bee man. You know, um, so that was kind of pivotal moment. Uh, number one, but I think getting through that was my mom. Like I've seen, she's had one lung, I'm oxygen and getting sick and going to, it was like, you know what, if this is, if she could got through that, right, I can get through this, you know? And then, you know, a handful of years later at 12, we, we moved probably 14 times from birth to 14, right? That, wow. Throw another wrench in the mix, right? I don't know why probably we, we were poor. So maybe we were, got booted out of this place and went to another. I don't know the situation. But during that time, we moved when I was 12 uh, to a, a couple towns down. And I had to take two public buses to get to my middle school. And I begged my mom. I was like, Mom, like I've gone to school. Even though we moved several times before that, we always stayed in the same school district. you know. So it was just like na- different neighborhoods and stuff. And I wanted to go to that school. So she did the bus route with me like a good mom, right? Rode with me and when the second stop was a 7-Eleven and I would stop in there. She introduced me to the lady and the lady knew me and met her. And I'd play Mortal Kombat 2 there every day while I was waiting on the bus, you know? And so one day I was on my route go into the 7-Eleven. I'm playing Mortal Kombat 2. And uh, the little bells chime, you know, you can hear when someone walks in. And I'm just playing the game and I hear a male voice yell, hey, Daniel. And I didn't stop. I'm, I'm playing. I'm not Daniel, you know. And all of a sudden, I feel my body gets lifted. I get shoved in the Terminator 2 pinball machine that had the gun as the trigger. <laughs> to to pull the to launch the pinballs and I'm getting assaulted punched by a male officer thrown on the ground handcuffed the lady at the store is yelling at them saying he's not Daniel he's Jordan I know his mom and they're like cussing at her they handcuffed me throw me in the back of a cop car I'm huh. 12 and I was like crying I'm like I'm not Daniel and you know I wasn't the greatest student I'll be I'll be completely honest with that but I knew I did my homework that that night before and I <laughs> and I said to the officer I said listen my name is Jordan Mendoza my homework is in my pocket of my London fog jacket I know it's in there and when I tell you brother he reached his hand in there he pulled that homework out it said Jordan Mendoza and he looked like he saw a dang ghost cuz oh, he man. knew he knew he screwed up and man, it, it could have been a long blown out process, but I, even at 12, I had the self-awareness to know I didn't want something to drag on. I knew they didn't need jobs because the way that they acted. And so they both end up getting fired. And I might, even my mom was like, man, we can get a bunch of money from, you know, from this and things like that. And, and I was like, listen, I, that's not what I want to do. I don't hate police officers. I know that those people were bad. Yeah, You know, and at 12, I, I, I knew that, you know, and, and today, I mean, as we've seen in the media, things haven't changed. They, they thought it was a Hispanic runaway. I'm not even Hispanic. You know, <laughs> my father's from the Philippines, my mom's Irish and Native American. So I am mixed enough to look like several different, you know, races, I'm, I'm sure, but they made a mistake. Right. And again, I think back to that and I'm like, man, like, what if I would have fought back? Like, what if I would have, you know, something would have triggered my fight or flight and I would have gotten killed you know so there's all these things those are two times when you know frankly i don't you know i couldn't i could have not been here to tell this story and then the next one happened at 19 when i was doing door-to-door sales we were going to open an office we were in california we're going to open an office in new jersey we had a a, a three-car caravan um we we kind of took the scenic route we wanted to go to salt lake city in vegas and you know we were young so we wanted to see all these different cities and visit these other satellite offices and 
we were on our journey and we were in Wyoming and I had fallen asleep. I, you know, we're in a, a Chevy King cab truck. One of the ones that has the seats in the back that sit kind of sideways. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't face forward. I was face sideways. I fell asleep. Well, the driver fell asleep at the wheel. And when he woke up, he hit the gas instead of the brake. So we slid north of 70 and flipped several times. Oh, wow. And I woke up while we were sliding. I remember just yelling like, holy crap. And then we flip, flip, and boom, the truck lands. And so I got out, you know, didn't realize that I was even hurt. The adrenaline, the other people got out, but the driver, he was not in the truck anymore. He literally got ejected, Ted, 20 yards from where the truck landed. Wow. And our only saving grace is there was two off-duty EMTs. They just came from a conference and they happened to be passing like right after it happened. And so they called the ambulance. Our buddy got life flighted to Casper. I got, you know, uh, actually I had two cuts on my legs, one 12 inches long, a fist deep on my right leg, and then an eight inch cut on my left. I had to have 52 staples. So I had to get rushed in for surgery. And, uh, but the craziest part is my buddy Jeremy made a full recovery. Two beautiful children today. I made a full recovery and they told me I might not be able to walk. I can run and jump and, probably do a flip if i train for it a few weeks you know what i'm saying so you know it's just it's it's crazy to have these moments and it just you know really over the last couple years i've realized why i'm here right what my passion and my purpose really are and so we'll get to talk about that here in a second yeah I, i love that too and you said you were stung 53 times 53 53 and 52 stitches. I don't know. 52 or 53. I mean, you might want to play those those lottery numbers or something. <laughs> Jackpot's right? pretty high right, right? now. Right, exactly. Um, but fourth grade, 12 years old, 19 years old, those those significant moments. Um, how have those shaped you moving forward into your 20s and, and through business or whatnot? Because I mean, it's being able to tell those stories so vividly, they 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 have a place, right? And they've 100%. had an impact on your life. I'd be interested to know like how those and you, you shared some of the lessons with the officers at, at 12, but how have those experiences impacted your life moving forward? Man, I, I they've given me a great perspective, right? They've they've really I think I think after each one, I realized that that I was here for some other reason that I knew, right? Like you're I'm like the fact that I, that we wake, woke up today tells us that there's still work to be done. Right. Um, but just having those experiences in, you know, potentially near death experience, it, it really gives you a great, a great, a great awareness. You know, I, I really truly believe adversity gives you strength. It does, it doesn't make you weaker. It actually gives you strength and it, it enables you to see through a lens that other people that haven't experienced it can't even see through. You know, and I also believe it actually heightens your emotional intelligence because you become so self-aware and you also become able to manage your emotions better, which enables you to create better relationships and show up confidently in a social setting. So I really think there's a a, adversity gives you an advantage. So, So you mentioned about adversity and and the fact that how that can can give strength. But it's interesting you say that also. In the same breath, you say you feel like you haven't really faced adversity left. Mm-hmm. So there's yep. all, also this awareness, yep. right, that, yep. hey, there's still more challenges to come. Um, and, I, and I always ask this question whenever I get the opportunity to on the podcast. You sh- you've shared the, the life-changing moments along the way. But with No Rain, No Rainbows, you're either in the storm, just got out of the storm, or you're on your way into a storm. Like, that's just how yeah. life works. Yeah. Um, what gives you confidence 
for any storm that's soon to come your way? Um, I, I think it's just knowing what, what I've already seen, you know, knowing what I've seen, knowing what I've experienced. I mean, cause there, I mean, there's countless stories that, that I can tell where it's just like, what the heck? Like, how did you, know, how did you make it? I mean, I like when, when our, um, you know, my wife and I, when we met, this is back in 03, uh, she told me she wouldn't be able to have any kids. And, um, it was because of things that happened, you know, when she was younger and so I was like, man, okay. And, you know, and, and so we weren't very protect, you know, we were very protect. We were just having fun. And all of a sudden she got pregnant and I was like, wait a second. What, what about all this? You know, aren't able to have kids stuff, you know? And she's like, I, that's what the doctors told me. And so, so we actually started, you know, like, okay, well, I mean, we're going to have this baby. Like it started to become real. And then, and then she had a miscarriage and, and, and man, what a, you know, and, and I think about that a lot, especially each, each time we have one, you know, you think about the one that, that we, we don't. Right. And so we started recently telling our kids about that one and man, that's been powerful for them to ask questions and, and to, to know that there was life there, you know, yeah. which is, but, the, but, you know, so there's, there's those experiences too, that those things don't always come to the forefront. We don't always talk about those very hard things that we experience. But what I've learned is the more that I can be vulnerable, there's a chance that I can reach one person that may have experienced that same thing. Uh, and it might inspire them to tell their story. And that's really, that's been my biggest unlock because really over the last, you know, 20, 21 months, you know, I feel like 2019 was, I did a lot of uh, planting, did a lot of seed planting. And 2020 was a ton of cultivating relationships, building relationships. And, and, you know, I've seen the fruits of the harvest are starting to arrive in 2021, you know, but, yeah. but the work was put in the foundations and those tracks were set. But a lot of it honestly came from when I started sharing my mom's story, you know, because I, I started realizing if I don't share all of her goodness and then I'm diminishing her legacy. Like people need to know how, how she was and who she was and, and how she inspired me to be the person that I am. Yeah. And man, that was a big unlock because I was so sad from losing my best friend that I would talk to twice and three times a day that I wouldn't talk about her. And then man, somebody encouraged me. They said, you need to tell that story. You need to share that. And, and once I started doing that, it was like, wow, it was a, it freed a lot of things, you know, it freed a lot of things up for me. Yeah. What was that healing process like? It was it, I mean, it definitely, you mentioned how slow going it was, but. Oh, it was, was hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it's one of those things. Like I remember the day I got the call from my brother, you know, and, and this was, it was quick, man. Like she, she called, literally called me on the phone in November and was like, Hey, I, I fell, you know, um, you know, ambulance is coming. I, I'm going to be fine, you know, uh, but I'll call you when, when they tell me what's going on. And that's the last time I heard a voice because she went basically kind of like coma state. Uh, what had happened is she, you know, she was on oxygen. She was, you know, overweight, you know, because couldn't really work out. And so, uh, 54 years of her lungs and her heart and her kidney, everything was having to overcompensate because of the one lung and she got pneumonia and then everything just started to shut down. So, you know, March rolls around, she passes away in March. So November to March, I was flying out to Oregon and, and, and really taking responsibility. I'm the second oldest, but because I'm the guy that's been in this, you know, the business world and, you know, I don't know how I got that default. So that was a lot of, 
heaviness, man. It was a lot of, you know, talking to the doctors and doing all these things. And then when she passes, now I'm kind of the like, the I'm not even a lawyer, but I'm dealing with the real estate stuff from from the Native American land that we were going to inherit because she, you know, so it's all these responsibilities, man. And I remember just, I remember like six months passing by and me not remembering, you know, like uh, going yeah. through that. And and when I look back, it was just foggy. And during that time, I was managing the largest asset for the company, 558 units. It was doing, was performing well. And of course, my performance started to decline. I didn't realize it, but it was happening and I got demoted. And I got demoted to a smaller community. And, and although I don't really appreciate the way that it went down, I don't feel like there was enough empathy there for my liking, but you know, I'm an empathetic person. Um, it still was great that it happened and it needed to have, it needed to be part of my journey because I met some incredible people and built some great relationships. And also a role came open in training and development that brought us to DC for, for five years. And we can talk about what that role looked like. But so, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, we're, everything happens for a reason, you know, I'm, I'm the path that, that I've endured the, the way that I've gotten to this point is it's the way it was supposed to be. It's my journey, yeah. you know, and, and the more I think we can appreciate the the process that's gotten us there when you were in it, it's difficult, but like, you know, as we say, hindsight is 2020. So when you get to kind of look back and see Wow, like definitely don't want to do that again. <laughs> you know, that's super helpful for the rest of our our journey. But it's a yeah. lifelong thing. Yeah, we we learn every single day, and it's it's another at bat every time we wake up. Um, and, and a lot of people talk about the concept of work life balance, and you kind of touched on it a little bit when you were dealing with everything with your mom and the the performance at work kind of plateauing a little bit and, and getting demoted, and and it's almost as though. F- People feel as though they need to be separated or you can't have one without the other. But I mean, I'm under the belief personally that our adversities in our in, in life can actually provide us with the fortitude to handle the challenges in business, how, how one can in fact serve the other. Have you found that to be true with your personal experiences? You mentioned taking on a new role and, and things happening for a reason. Um, have you found that those challenges and really those curveballs through life ended up guiding you in the direction you needed to be for your, your business as well? Yeah. I mean, every like everything led me to that role. I mean, like I think about it from 12 years old, basically through my early 20s, every summer I would get on flights across the country. Well, when I got this new corporate role, twice a month I'm doing flights across the country and I'm teaching and I'm training, right? And and but I had to learn the teaching and the training, doing all the door-to-door sales jobs and building teams that way which helped set me up to be able to teach and train people in the other jobs that I, does that make sense? And so yeah. like everything on the path had its purpose, you know, be like, I've been talking to people face to face since I was, you know, probably six because we didn't have money. I literally go door to door and in Oregon, you get five cents for cans. I would go try to collect cans and go take them in to buy candy, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been working on that craft for a, uh, for a long time, you know? And, and I think when you can understand how powerful communication is and being able to read and relate uh, body language, you know, nonverbal communication, all of those things, man, they have been, they have added value to every single job I have and they'll continue adding value to everything I do in life. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I, I look at the journey and I'm like, yeah, everything is kind of weaved in, uh, in with itself, you know? Yeah. So talk about that, the role in terms of how you've enjoyed it 
for is this the role you were in for 12 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah, eight years. La- yeah, I'm leaving, leaving. Yeah, I've been in it. October was eight years in this role. So, so yeah, I get this role and, you know, the job description, learning and development manager. And it's like, you know, you're going to build, create content and you're going to teach all of the different roles from like leasing professionals, assistants, community managers, regionals, kind of all the, the roles on site and corporate. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Like I'm just going to be teaching classes all day. You know, every day I'll have my calendar filled and I'll be teaching on these different subjects. And for a little bit, that was it, Ted. It was, it was that. So, you know, I got good at learning the content and I'm not, I can't like look at something and then go talk. Like I can't do that. So I literally, I teach, I literally learn it. I memorize the content, but then I just put my own spin on it. So it's more organic. Uh, to me, that's the best way. I can't read this thing and be like, yeah, so do, 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 you know, yeah. that's just not my style. I'm, you know, I'm a freestyler, right? It's not my style. So, so I would do that and I got really good at it. And then all of a sudden, you know, the video stuff started coming in like 2013 video was getting more uh, prominent. And so it was like, man, now we're, now we like bought a green screen and we're trying to like do all, create this video content. And it's, it's terrible. Like half the stuff, it looks like I'm teleporting in. You know, <laughs> like a suit on and all of a sudden I disappear like a genie. Um, so it's funny to look back at that process now because now I have clients that I do video editing for and it's good and it's more professional and it, there's captions. But I used to be terrible at that, you yeah. know, and I was like this. I don't know how they're allowing me to put this on our learning management system. You know, that <laughs> like I don't I think people are just like it because it's goofy and I'm just teleporting in, you know, but again, that was, I had to learn how to get better at that, you know? And so those trials helped me with confidence because I didn't know I was going to eventually teach a six month leadership program. Right. And so as, as things started changing social media, our content would change. We, we went from a lot of uh, in-person training and we did, and then we switched to like flip classroom style where they would learn a video module before they got to class. Then they would come and then it flipped on its head and it became with COVID happened. Like now it's all virtual, right? So, I mean, there's been so many different things that have happened in eight years. It's incredible to, to look back at that part of the journey. But 2016, we did a test pilot for a leadership program in Dallas and, uh, we went every month for six months. We all graduated. And then we all needed on our team to become certified in Myers-Briggs. So, you know, we get flown to for, to Dallas um, and two other people were in Texas. So they, they drove, I think. But I got flown to Dallas and I had to, you know, it was four days. Okay, just just a, a refresher here. Not a great student, you know. <laughs> don't like tests. Don't like you know studying. It literally turns me into a different person, you know. I just don't. But enjoy you do that. your homework. But I do, yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm flagging everything and highlighting like crazy. Yep. So so I go to this thing and I'm nervous because you know I don't want to be the guy that doesn't get this thing and that doesn't get to teach this. Like literally, we were teaching like the month after. So like I I mean when I tell you I was up late. I was stuff page flagging stuff like highlighting and and then when I passed like that was like I won the lottery. You know what I'm saying because yeah. I but I didn't want to be that guy and then you know so so and then I was like man like I actually just got a lifetime certification. Like this is actually awesome, you know? So I was like how do I use this outside of work? So I I started telling people that I was certified and I tried to get clients and I got a big, I got a client. It was actually my church and I went and taught 35 people on staff, 
want put them through an MBTI workshop. And it was it was my first client. And I was like, man, I was fired up, you know. I was like, <laughs> I got to do this. People learned. They enjoyed it. Um, and then that passion kind of just fizzled out. <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> you know how it is. Like we start something and we're just like gung-ho. And then all of a sudden we kind of lose the passion for it. So, you know, I had enjoyed teaching the leadership program because uh, of the transformation. Uh, that's yeah. truly, man, like that's so powerful when you can take somebody that really doesn't know what they're getting into. Maybe their boss was like, hey, you should sign up for this thing. I think you're ready for the next level. And they're like, cool. And all of a sudden they're getting put through a personality assessment and finding out like how they're wired. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of trippy, right? <laughs> like to get kind of tossed into that. So I literally take these strangers, these people, maybe I've interacted with them. Maybe I haven't, you know, it, it rotated from D.C. to Atlanta. So it was two different markets. And. And I literally, we put them through MBTI. So they get that foundation of how they're wired. They take that deep introspective look at themselves, which is phenomenal to be able to do that. And then we jump into topics like strengths-based leadership. That's why I use that reference for your Patreon audience. Um, you know, we talk about emotional intelligence. We dive into conflict resolution. We dive into how to manage a high-performing team, change management, right? All of these amazing topics. And at the end of it, Oh, and by the way, Ted, I'm coaching each of them every month for the six months. So they get one-on-one -on -one coaching for me nice. um, where, where I get to find out what their goals are. And so I'm literally helping them along this journey for six months. And at the end of it, they do a business challenge in front of, you know, uh, senior leadership. You know, they work in teams. And so they get that team environment we talked about with sports earlier. Uh, and then they have to do their own personal leadership philosophy where they write kind of their mission statement of who they are and how they want to show up to the world. And man, like, when we're at that graduation and I have people, adults, in tears and saying, this really changed my life, like, man, there's no bigger, like, you know, feeling that you can get from somebody. And so that really, honestly, Ted, gave me the confidence to know that I can make an impact in people's lives outside of the corporate environment. Yeah. Like, if I can do it in, why can't I do it out? Why can't I do it, you know, with, with clients that I meet, that, that I can know I can transform. Why can't I do that then? And so I started asking myself that question, like, why can't I do that? Right. I, I can help people outside of this. So, yeah. And it's amazing because you had the experience, you saw the proof in the pudding, really. It, it's, it's the connection that happened where you start thinking to yourself, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is something yeah. that's sustainable on its own. And you know, why not do it? Why why not go out and just go for broke, bet on yourself because, hey, you already have a company that's been betting on you for years. You, you have a company that's been investing on you for years. So if they're going to invest in you, why not invest in yourself? Um, coming towards our time here with the podcast, I love always asking, you know, what are the rainbows moving forward? And I think that's the perfect transition into where we are right now with you kind of having that eureka moment, right? Yeah. Okay. I could do this for myself. And this kind of comes full circle with how we started of you getting ready for that transition. What does that transition look like? And, and what excites you the most? Uh, what's the countdown? Four days away. Um, what does that, what excites you the most about that, that step? Man, I think the biggest thing is that the time freedom, you know, the, the, the time freedom that I'm going to have to spend more time with my family, you know, to invest in, in things that, that they're doing, you know, like, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, one of the beautiful things is you get to write your schedule, right? So, you know, I, I remember 
uh, you know, I was telling my wife, I was like, man, you know, like, so next week I've got to get up. Yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm like, wait a minute. My first day, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to get up late. Like, you know, I'm going to do that and give myself, you know, hey, this is the first day of it. And then I'm like, no, that's not me. I'm definitely getting up early. Yeah. And so I'm like having this conversation because I know me and I'm going to go in and hit the ground running and make sure my calendar is full. That, you know, like I just I love creating momentum because I know that that will create the consistency that I need to get the results that I need. Right. Um, And so so that's uh, that's what I'm excited about, man, is just is just diving in, you know, having, having that time freedom though, of like, you know, I don't have to commute anywhere. Like I already have clients and that are around the country. And, um, and so being able to do that remotely is, is nice, right? It's, it's nice that the world is now pretty much looking at it, um, like a means of communication for good, right? It's not like a, a thing that was just, came here and is disappearing, there's going to be more of it, you know? And so to be able to, uh, to understand that there's so much power in building these relationships virtually. And eventually when things do get to whatever the, the new normal ends up being, uh, man, those in-person relationships are going to be even more powerful, right? Um, if you're able to kind of create those connections like this, man, that first time you get to see someone, when I get first get to meet you and give you that big hug and be like, bro, man, it's been great. Like finally get to see each other. Like that type of stuff is, is what I'm looking forward to as well down the road. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, last question is, you know, what would you say to somebody that's currently in limbo where, you know, they have the the full-time job and they have the side gig, they have that realization that, Ooh, maybe I can do this. Maybe I have what it takes, but they just don't know how to maybe put that process, that infrastructure in place. What would you tell them? I, w- I would tell them to do exactly what I did. And is that, that is be a practitioner while you're doing the full-time thing. Because that's really going to test your bandwidth. Because listen, I had a lot of late nights. I interviewed 80 people last year on the podcast. And I remember people, they're like, you, you do Saturdays at seven? <laughs> you know, I'm like, Sundays at like six, thir- like, uh, yes, I do. Because this is important to me. I'm investing the time here. Like I was able to scale my business and my podcast during a pandemic, right? But what I realized is that there's people that I normally wouldn't be able to access that I can probably access now because they're at home too. They've got kids running around. I got kids roller skating upstairs and being crazy. Like we're all in this together. And and the more that we can realize that, that we're all human beings, we're all in this together. We all, you know, are going through the same things, man. It makes, it makes things a lot easier. Yeah, no, that's amazing insight. And I'm, I'm in my home office, right? You're at home. We're we're doing this from the comfort of our own home, recording an, an episode that will live through time and space. And the folks listening to this can can hear our voices and and, and hear your story and build that connection. That's what's amazing about this platform. Um, speaking of connection, uh, I definitely want to make sure that our listeners and our viewers on YouTube have an ability to connect with you, reach out to you, and, and continue to follow you on your journey and use some of your skills if it benefits them. So how can they they reach out and find some of your links yeah sure yeah you can reach me on linkedin jordan mendoza look me up there um, active on that platform instagram at jordan j mendoza same as twitter 
Uh, TikTok at Blaze Your Own Trail. Don't roast me. I'm, I haven't posted a lot of content. I'm still learning, guys. I don't. I don't know all the platforms, right? We all are the new guys somewhere, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, find, look me up on social. My podcast is called the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. You'll you'll be hearing uh, Ted's episode here soon on that show. And uh, man, that's been such a blessing in my life. You know, that show also gave me confidence to know that I can do it because you know I was doing the full time job plus the podcast. I'm the editor, the marketer, the, the everything, plus the consulting business. So, um, you know, 2020, I just kind of proved that I can do it. Um, and that really gave me the confidence. So for those of you that are in limbo or you're thinking about it, just start putting in that work, you know, start doing things behind the scenes, start building your brand because, you know, your brand is going to really help uh, give other people a different side of you. And, and when you go and you're just showing up as your authentic self, everywhere, no matter what platform it's on, whether it's just your voice on the new amazing platform of Clubhouse or you're on video on a live stream or you're on Instagram, just be you, right? Because there's only one you. So if you can do that and just and start showing up and putting in that work behind the scenes, you will teach yourself that you are capable of doing it. Yeah. But you can't you can't have any growth without reps and that and that should preach to a lot of us that even pre I even tell that to myself when it comes to like working out, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, so I need to put in more reps, but listen, we're all on this journey together. We're all figuring life out. You know, I'm definitely, you know, there are a lot of people say they're, they're experts, but you know, I have, I don't know it all. So I'm still, I'm still a, a novice, you know, just trying to figure it out. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's where my excitement comes in. It's just, I wake up and there's so much to learn and, and I can't wait to kind of find out what I don't know. Cause we don't know what we don't know. And every day is an opportunity to find something else out. Jordan, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast, sharing your story and, and sharing your expertise and some of your insights with our audience. Hey, thanks so much, man. Absolutely. And, and to the audience, thank you so much for rocking with us throughout this episode. Thank you for making it to the end. Of course, as always, I like to recap some of the some of the gems and some of the points that were dropped along the episode. The origin of the hustle. Again, sometimes we emulate what we see. And Jordan had that example in his mother. He also had the example in his father. And, and the three significant uh, moments of his life that could have changed everything. And the way he showed up then, how he continued to show up in the future. First in the fourth grade with the bees, stung 53 times. I've been stung like four or five times in one sitting. That was not fun. I can only imagine 53. But then I think after 10, old, it gets easy. You know, it's just yeah. like, okay, now, now I'm numb. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now it's just like, oh, okay, just stop. But I mean, but the fact of the matter is there, there are a few people that can, can say they've had an experience like that. Right. And even at 12 years old, which is, it's, Interesting that happened to you, Jordan, because a fear of mine for the longest time has been fitting the description of somebody and being wrongfully accused and, and you actually going through that and also having the grace afterwards. It, it speaks volumes of, of the maturity you had at age 12 and then at 19 going through the near death experience and then even further looking forward towards how adversity gives you strength. Remember those things that you go through. We, we talk about all the time. The rain is what's needed for the flowers to grow. I know we don't like the storms, but we love the rainbows. You can't get one without the other, as we always say. And of course, some of the things that Jordan mentioned happened to him. He needed it to happen to be part of his journey. It's all taking us to where we need to go and creating momentum 
and being a practitioner at what you're doing. A lot of you guys are working hard on that project. You're trying to make it bigger. You're trying to scale it up, be a practitioner, put in the work, put in the reps, keep on pushing forward. And I promise you the fruits will show themselves in the near future. As always, guys, we appreciate you taking the time to be on the the podcast with us listening. If you enjoyed it, give us that like, rate us, let us know how we're doing. Share this with a friend if you think they would benefit from it and hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, if you do want to support the podcast, you can hear more from Jordan on our Patreon page where you could support for as little as $1 a month. We appreciate having you. And as we always say at the end of the episode, Everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.